Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. I'm here with you to read and reflect on the scripture readings for today, Sunday, January the 15th. Welcome. I hope you're ready to have a great Lord's Day. I certainly am. I'm back here in my office after many travels to Washington, D.C. and New York, many pro-life meetings and events, and of course, more to come this week as we prepare for the March for Life. The readings are perfect, actually, for uh, what is about to happen over these next few days as the nation observes uh, several observances that reinforce each other, and I'll get into a little bit of that in our remarks, but let's start by reading the readings themselves. And uh, the first comes to us from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 49, verses 3 and 5 to 6. The Lord said to me, you are my servant, Israel through whom I show my glory. Now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as his servant from the womb, that Jacob might be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him. And I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord, and my God is now my strength. It is too little, the Lord says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And that's Isaiah 49. The psalm, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry. And he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or offering you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Holocausts or sin offerings you sought not. Then I said, behold, I come. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me. To do your will, O my God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips, as you, O Lord, know. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. The second reading today is from the beginning of the the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second reading for today. And brothers and sisters, the gospel reading comes to us from St. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. 
I did not know him. But the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John further testified, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testify that he is the Son of God. Hence the Gospel reading today from the first chapter of John. Now, brothers and sisters, these readings taken together explain to us who Jesus is, who the, what the church is, and who we are, and what our mission is in the world. First of all, Jesus Christ is pointed out by John to be the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Now, the first reading from Isaiah is the first of several servant songs, as they are called. These readings tie in very strongly to Lent. The reading on Good Friday is one of the servant songs. It is in these servant songs about this servant of the Lord who was identified by the prophet that we read the prophecies of his passion. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Uh, he was crushed for our offenses, bruised for our sins. Upon him was laid the guilt of us all. By his wounds we are healed. This, these, are the, these are the servant songs, and they point to someone who, by his faithfulness, by his suffering, even by his rejection and death, will save the world and will be, as this first reading says, a light for all the nations to bring salvation to them. Jesus is that servant, that one who is sacrificed in order to reconcile us and the world to God. John brings it full circle. He answers the question, who is this servant? He points to the one long awaited, the salvation of the world. And he also answers the question that Abraham's son Isaac asked him, if you look in Genesis and God testing Abraham by, after having miraculously given him a son in his old age, Isaac means laughter, by the way, because Abraham's wife laughed when God said, you'll, you'll bear a son. And God not only promised a son, he said, you'll have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. He told him to sacrifice his son. Now, God wasn't going to let him actually do that. He wanted to test his willingness to obey and to trust. But when he went ahead and brought Isaac to the mountain of sacrifice, Isaac was carrying the wood. Now, think about that for a moment. Jesus carrying the cross. Isaac carrying the wood for the sacrifice gets there to the place of sacrifice, Isaac asks an obvious question. Here's the wood for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. Think about that. At that moment, he was answering, how will we fill this specific need 
to make this specific sacrifice. But the question is a question of all humanity. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice to reconcile us to God? Where is the lamb who can take away the sins of the world? Where is the perfect sacrifice that can make up for the rebellion of human beings against God? Where is the sacrifice that can ease our fears as we live in the shadow of death? Where is the sacrifice that can fulfill the desires of the human heart to have not just a little bit of life, but life eternal, not just some joy, but eternal joy, not just temporary fulfillment, but eternal fulfillment, not just a friendship or a relationship here or there, but a perfect human community. Is there any sacrifice that can be made? to bridge the gap, to defeat the evil, to overcome death, to bring about the victory of good over evil. Yes, there is. God himself will provide the lamb. We just celebrated the Christmas season. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This is the meaning of the birth of Christ. And this is the question that John finally answers for all humanity. Where is the lamb? And John says there, pointing to Jesus, there is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is the one, brothers and sisters, to whom you can turn as the answer to all your problems. There is the one in whom you can find the victory over every evil in you, around you, and in the world. And the antidote, the victory over death itself. There is the Lamb of God. Now, this is the servant of the Lord. And here's where we get into the mystery of the church. Because Jesus doesn't come to save us just as an act that he himself performs as an individual. He does offer himself there on the cross. He truly died. He truly suffered and he truly died and rose again. But in doing all this, Jesus Christ creates the church. And this is where we have to understand that the servant songs in Isaiah, and again, today's first reading quotes from one of these servant songs, doesn't only save us, he gathers us. Listen again to the, the line that we read. The Lord has spoken, formed me as his servant. From the womb, by the way, we get our vocation before we are born. But he says that the purpose of this is that Jacob may be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him. Gathered. You know, if you say that in Greek, you know what the word is for the gathering? Ecclesia. We talk about ecclesiastical things, church-related things, because ecclesia is the Greek and Latin word not just for gathering, but for church. The church is the gathering. Gathering of what? The people who have heard the word of God and gathered around the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
John pointed him out so that he might be known, so that others might follow him. He came to gather. Sin scatters. It scatters us away from God. It scatters us from one another. It scatters us from created reality. It scatters us within ourselves. As Paul says, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I know what's right. I'm doing what's wrong. We're divided. Sin scatters. It devastates. Obliterates. Christ, the Lamb of God, the servant of God. Ecclesia. He gathers us together makes us the church, makes us his body, makes us the temple of living stones, makes us the vine with many branches. He brings us together in a living organism called the church that we belong to, not by some kind of bureaucratic mechanism of membership, but because of what St. Paul says in the second reading today, called to be holy with all those who invoke the name of Jesus Christ. What's the criteria for being in the church? This is not some kind of human invention. This is not some kind of club. This is not some kind of elite gathering. This is not some kind of fraternity. This is a living organism that comes about when people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, have a relationship with him, call upon his name, are transformed by him, allow the Lamb of God to take their sins away, believe in his sacrifice upon the cross, and allow him to make them holy. This is the criteria. Not This person likes me and that person doesn't. has nothing to do with that. I have this particular status, you have that. It has nothing to do with that. Not in some kind of elite gathering. You are called to be holy, Paul says, with everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace to you. We believe in him, we have that grace. He takes our sins away, and therefore he gathers us, makes us the ecclesia, the gathering, the church of God. And it is that church then, Christ's body, the head and the members, all of us together, who become the Lumen Gentium, the light to the nations. And I say Lumen Gentium because those who know the teachings of the Second Vatican Council will recognize that as the name of one of the key documents of that council about the church. The name of that document taken from this passage in Isaiah, the light of the nations. What does that mean? Well, we live in darkness. Sin has created darkness. We don't understand what is good. Even when we know it, we are weak and we can't follow it. We can't stay faithful to it. We need grace. Darkness because we do sin. We do rebel. We need salvation. Darkness because when we sin and when we turn away from God and the recently deceased Pope Benedict taught about this very clearly, he said, you know, because of sin and because we reject the Creator, we lose sight of the meaning of some very basic human realities, including life, birth, and death. Basic human realities. We lose sight of their meaning. 
they have meaning that we understand. When we understand the Creator, when we understand the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this understanding is light. This is part of what light signifies when, when, the, when Isaiah says, and when Jesus says it, he said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. And Paul says, you are light in the Lord. Oh, but part of what light means is that people understand the truth. They see reality from God's perspective. They understand the truth, not only about God, but about us. The Second Vatican Council teaches that when Jesus reveals to us who the Father is, and he said that that's what he was doing, he was going to show you the Father, he who has seen me has seen the Father, he's also revealing who we are. He reveals what it means to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be saved, to be just, to be holy. As Paul says today, we need to become. He shows us who we are. He reveals, in other words, the meaning and value of every human life, of every human person. Isaiah says, this light coming to the nations will bring salvation. We are reconciled with God. We're also reconciled with one another. Sin scatters because it makes us look down on other human beings. It makes us think we can throw them away. Abortion is the most egregious example of that. But salvation in the light of the world and the Lamb of God and the sacrifice that gathers us together into the ecclesia makes us appreciate one another and brings us into unity with one another because we value the life, not only that we live, but the life that's sitting right next to us. And this is why the Lord's salvation brings justice. He will establish justice on the earth. And we see this in the prophecies as well. The right relationships between human beings and God that bring about the right relationships between human beings themselves. Starting with, thou shalt not kill, because thou shalt not look at the other human being as something that can be possessed, bought, sold, or trampled upon. And this is exactly what we're doing in regard to the unborn. And that's the darkness of our age. And that's what is to be dispelled by the light, which is Christ, which is you and me, which is the church. That's why we can't be silent about abortion. The light of the nations will help people understand the value of every human life. That is integral to the work of the church. We can't decide for ourselves what priority we're going to put on the abortion issue. Its priority is built into what it is. You lose sight of the very meaning of human beings you can't have a civilization, you can't have a church, and you can't have salvation. You're missing God. John Paul II says in Evangelium Vitae that an attack on any human life is an attack on God. A rejection of even a single human life is a rejection of Christ. So praise God that we have and that we are a light to the nations.
Praise God that we have and that we know the Lamb of God. Praise God that he has given us the Lamb of the perfect sacrifice. Praise God that we have come to this Lord's day when we again do exactly what Paul said, because this is what it means to belong to the church. And let's, again, put this above everything else. Called to be holy with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what brings us together today. That is what qualifies us. That is what saves us. We call together on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's call upon his name right now as we pray for one another. And please leave your prayer intentions if you haven't done so already. And let me know where you're from too, by the way. But leave your prayer intentions. And right now, let's pray for each and every person who is watching with us and listening. And for each and every member of God's family calling out for salvation. Lord, bless the people that we interact with here in this online community and in our own physical congregations. Bless each and every one who turns to you today, Lord, for comfort and sorrow, for wisdom in making decisions, for health in mind and body, for financial security and the fulfillment of all their practical needs. Lord, for those who grieve over a family member who is absent from the faith, not practicing the gospel of salvation, not going to the gathering, which is the church. Bless, Lord God, and answer the prayers of all those who turn to you today with any concern and with any need. And bless, Lord, the unborn, those human beings in the womb who, because of the darkness, that sin has brought into the world, causing us not even to recognize the meaning of life, have been considered to be non-persons, who have been considered to be nothing. Let the light of the nation shine upon them, and let the light of the nation shine upon all who can protect them. And may we rise to the occasion and do that. As our nation once again prepares for the March for Life, as we prepare to honor by our federal holiday tomorrow, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who preached the sanctity of life and called for justice, and as we prepare also this week to celebrate the week of, pr of prayer for Christian unity. Lord, all these things converge. May Christians, members of your body, Unite together to pursue justice and equality, and may that always include the children in the womb. We pray in the name of the only Lord, the only Savior, the only hope of humanity, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. So thanks, friends, for joining me for this reflection. Please share it, spread it. We'll be uh, bringing you these, of course, regularly. And join me this week. Those of you that are coming to the March for Life, I want to urge you to, to, to one event in particular 
come with me, join with me, pray with me in Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. on Friday morning for the National Prayer Service for the Unborn. It'll be starting at 8.30 a.m., Constitution Hall. We're going to honor the founders and pioneers of the Pregnancy Center movement. That is a, 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 an important priority for the pro-life movement right now. We know how the pregnancy centers have been attacked. We know that they are on the front lines of saving lives. Many of you are involved in uh, either work for, volunteer for, or donate to pregnancy centers in uh, your communities. Friends, let's honor the people who founded this movement. They will be with us there in Constitution Hall. I will present to them the Pro-Life Award, and I will deliver the message on that morning of the March for Life as we go forth and continue to witness to the rights of our unborn brothers and sisters. We continue to march in Washington because abortion continues. We continue to march because the task of protecting these children is not yet accomplished. And that task includes duties that the federal lawmakers have, not only the states. So join me on Friday in Constitution Hall. Nationalprayerservice.com is the website. You'll find all the details there, nationalprayerservice.com. And you can see uh, the rest of the schedule on our website. Our main website is endabortion.us. You'll see the full schedule uh, for the events uh, we'll be doing in Washington on Thursday and Friday. Uh, Saturday, I'll be going to the West Coast Walk for Life and helping to lead events there. And then Sunday, back to Washington for a memorial service in front of the Supreme Court starting at 10 a.m. Lots of activities. Check out the website. Join us in person if you can. Join us online, certainly, and know of my continued prayers for you. And uh, we'll certainly be keeping in contact. Thanks, friends, and God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.